podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys, he, here we are uh, for a new episode of the ATP Weekly Show. Um, thank you to, to everyone who, who's joining and thanks particularly to Bunch who's here with me tonight or this morning for you. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Doing well, Mario. Yeah, really uh, just fresh off of watching these two finals in Vienna and Basel. So uh, quite a lot to, to talk about and ha happy to join you. Yeah, start just telling me some, you know, some impression of of this week. I don't know what uh, from what you you prefer to to begin talking. Yeah, I think uh, this was this this was quite a strong week uh, for the ATP. Um, just uh, the the field in Vienna was was very strong, similar to Beijing. Ended up getting for the fourth time this year, Medvedev, Sinner, uh, deserving final, I would say. Uh, between those two, we also saw some. Uh, rise and uh, I guess resurgence from some top players who you know had been going through a little bit of a slump before this week. Uh, I'm talking about players like Tsitsipas, uh, Felix, who we'll, we'll come to talk about, I'm sure, a lot in a lot more detail. Um, and so, and, and also Runa as well, getting to the semis for the first time um, in a long time, uh, and with Boris Becker in his corner as well. So, um, you know, and then obviously all the stuff with the with the race. Uh, and Hercatch as well, like putting himself in really good position to perhaps have a chance of qualifying, and then and then obviously we have the the Paris draw, which is which is totally uh, packed in many many interesting first round matches there. Um, yeah, for sure. Probably we we are just uh, start talking about the the final we got in in the end, especially because we. We saw two top five players involved. Number three, Daniil Medvedev, and number four, Sinner, playing each other four times in a final this year. A rivalry that is developing really, really well and in, in an interesting way because we've seen four matches this year, all four in the finals, as we, we have said. Um, I can say four very, very different matches, one from... Uh, from the other, because the first one in Rotterdam, we saw that Sinner could have um, made something to um, to make it difficult for Daniil, but mm, it was still not a sustainable way of playing. He kind of mm, ran out of gas in the end of that final. 
And then it was the Miami final, which uh, we know there was the difference because Medvedev was uh, having a little bit easier in that tournament. Uh, Sinner had to face Alcaraz in the semi-final, having that grueling battle. It was not really ready to, to really push Medvedev in that one. And the head-to-head went six love in that moment. And then we, we saw the Beijing final uh, just one month ago uh, with Sinner playing astonishing level, winning in two tiebreaks. And this final has been, uh, I would say... Mm, a mix of a, of a lot of things, some up and downs moments, uh, um, a lot of, um, you know, even myself, a lot of different thoughts uh, throughout the games and the various moments of the match. Uh, and in the end, it's been thinner to prevail again, uh, now winning a second ATP 500 title in, in just few few weeks. Uh, if we add the, the master he won he, in Canada earlier this year, uh, now solidly at the number four in the world. Um, what does this match mean? Uh, in you know both in the rivalry and as regards the perspective we 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 have on on Sinner. Yeah, I think you summarized the difference well between uh, between the four finals, uh, because I would say that, you know, Rotterdam was really just, you know, Medvedev playing his usual brand of suffocating tennis and, uh, you know, really putting, really imposing, you know, his strong uh, shot tolerance and his ability to, you know, withstand basically everything you're doing from the from the back of the court and, you know, Sinner in that one played a very good first set, but then it was unsustainable and he couldn't really play the same way. And physically, he just kind of faded a little bit and Medvedev capitalized on it. And he, uh, you know, he, he imposed his his game to a, to a large de- degree. And in Miami as well with the um, Alcaraz semifinal, I think really making things a lot harder for Sinner with the quick turnaround um, as well. I think he was also physically unwell also in that in that match and Medvedev was really just in top form. His confidence was was through the roof at that point in time. But Beijing to me was all about, um, you know, Sinner's improvements tactically, I would say, in his game where he was coming up with a lot more drop shots, slices, serve and volleying, serving much, much better than he's ever had in his, in his career. I think the move to go after the French Open to the pinpoint stance again, but also just a, a bit more abbreviated motion, just more efficiency in general in the... Uh, in the swing and lead up to the serve, I think it's really helped him in big moments to beef up that first serve. And even today, when he needed it absolutely at the most crucial times, he found he was able to find those first serves. But also, this one I think impressed me the most because in the third set, Sinner had to really regroup in this match. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned kind of the flow of the match, but in the in, you know in the in the first set, it was Medvedev who who, who had three set points and was up a break uh, and had a set point before the tie break, and then a couple more later. And Sinner, Sinner was able to hang tough with him, you know, toe to toe from the baseline. But we, we saw him using some more of that variety that we saw in Beijing. It was kind of a continuation of that match. But then it really turned into an all-out physical war. And you saw Medvedev raise his level. Sinner kind of, the intensity dipped a little bit at the start of that second set. And Medvedev had a two-break cushion. But I think it was crucial for Sinner to get that one break back and just show Daniel that, you know, I'm still, I'm still in this. And I'm not just going to hand you a you know an easy second set. You're going to have to work for even this one. And then at the start of the third, when Sinner was really struggling physically, the way he was able to go toe to toe from the baseline and just kind of play Medvedev at his own game and beat him was just stunning for me because um, you know he, he almost 
didn't overthink the variety and the because I think it, it's kind of easy to get fall into that trap where you you kind of have to try to do too much out of your comfort zone when you're playing Medvedev because because of the you know the different wrinkles that he throws in at you and just because you can't really just beat him at you know from the, exclusively from the baseline just trading ground strokes with him uh, you know 40 50 times in a row because otherwise you're you're just toast you'll take your legs but I think Sinner was really able to impose the mix really well between at times using the variety at times serving really big but I was also just hanging in in those long rallies of like over nine shots and just showing Medvedev that he's he's improved and that and he can suffer physically and I think he was willing to suffer even more at times than than Daniil was and it was towards the end uh, I don't know what you thought but at from, from two three when he was already a breakdown uh, or from oh yeah that's right because they had a really really long uh, game like I think one game was like over 20 minutes and that yeah. was for Medvedev to go up 3-1 but then he um, that was for Sinner to go up 3-1 Sinner goes yes. up 3-1 and then Medvedev breaks back Yes. And then I thought, okay, you know, this and, is going to be... And Sinner awesome breaks game. again. And then Sinner breaks again. And then and then from there, I really felt like he was the better player for for those last three or four games. And he even had to save a couple of break points in the last game. So Yeah, one of, those, one of those two break points could have changed something because yes, yes. there was that, that forehand from, from Medvedev to, uh, you know let's say just basically put it, put on the in the court even if you know yeah. it's not probably that easy as it may seem after all that long battle but still you yes, know because he got up is, to the drop shot he got up yeah, to the drop yeah, shot the very, mistake very still is pretty pretty huge in the, in that moment so yeah. it, it was one of the points that could have really changed a lot of things in that um in in this match yeah i um first of all i've been really impressed in how well they're served in the tie break uh, oh, yeah. The first set tiebreak he served incredibly well, uh, and this for me has been uh, very important to uh, to watch because um, we have often talked about the fact that his serve still was not um, a, a great weapon uh, earlier some months ago, and he he really improved that a lot both in the percentages because this year for uh, this tournament for example he. He set the bar pretty, pretty high because he was 80% against Shelton and even higher against Sonego. In that first serve, he, he made 81%. Um, so he, he served really great. And especially in that, in that moment in the tiebreak, he, he really did well. Uh, because that, that was, in my opinion, the ending of the first set. One of the, the few moments in which um, I, I kind of felt that... Uh, Medvedev was um, was taking the lead in the in the baseline game, uh, and he really did well in that moment. Um, then, yes, of course, you were mentioning that uh, that moment in which he he broke back when uh, down five two in the um, in the second set, uh, yeah. but especially the third set, uh, that moment. Uh, um, yeah, it seemed that Sinner was struggling for with the you know endurance uh, a bit physically, um, still not maybe very sustainable. Um, almost as he is if we were watching back Rotterdam, but then we have seen all the big improvements that he made both mentally and also physically because there have been. Um, great improvement and in that moment that long game the effort he produced to stay in the match 
to didn't was let it, Daniel... Was it the ninth uh, breakpoint where he finally broke? Yeah, ninth, ninth breakpoint of that game and he had and also he had three, three breakpoints in the, yeah, in, in the previous two. return game. And wow. still yeah. he, he was seeming... Um, you know, you had the feeling that he was kind of struggling... Yeah. Uh, and so that's been that's been really you know amazing to watch also um for what you you know in my opinion you may feel about his his trajectory his season the way he has uh, you know grown uh, in his game throughout this this past months because uh, there have been a lot of uh, few important things for example uh, from Beijing, he won four straight matches against top five players. Yeah. Um, both of them uh, won a lot of tight sets, a lot of tie breaks. The first set against Alcaraz, the both tie breaks against um, Medvedev in Beijing. Yesterday, he did a great job against Rublev in uh, not letting him, you know, uh, taking him away one of those two sets, uh, which became pretty tight. Um, now it seems that you have to produce a lot more effort if you want to to really put him away um, and take him the set, the break, and to to build the lead. Um, yeah. It, it kind of seems that he has uh, had an upgrade from that point of view, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I I think you know the Beijing and Vienna run for me. You know, establishes the fact that his trajectory has just gone gone way up, and I think people's perception will will change about about Sinner and his whole career because, um, you know, obviously the he made Wimbledon semifinal, he won his first Masters, but I still needed to see that next step against the top five players, and uh, and in a match like this where he's he's having to really dig deep so physically and and where like every single improvement that you've tried to make the last two years will come to fruition in that moment and he was actually able to pass that test and and he he, he passed it uh, in along with kind of breaking Medvedev physically which is like you know Medvedev is one of those players that almost never gets tired in that in that way after a really long first set you know it was him who looked more fresh in the in, in, in the second set and it was it was still him who you felt like the longer the match went you know he would he would have the upper hand. So for yeah. Sinner to change that narrative and actually win that physically grueling third set is, I think, really really big. Of course, now he has to do it in, in best of five in the in the majors. And but I think all of the, all of those tough losses have you know have, have made it better. We, we've talked about those five set losses that he's very close losses that he's had against yeah. eventual winners in in majors. And but I think uh, you know those technical, physical, and mental improvements. Are now gonna really help him to have a great 2024 because I mean he's, yeah. he's uh, he turned 22 this year yeah and it feels so. like he's been he's older than that because we've seen him right from basically you know three four years ago in playing challengers against against Alcaraz but uh, it, it's another thing to like do it consecutively be two top five in both Vienna and Beijing and really just like back up the consistency also winning over 80% of his matches the entire season um and then really just like you know you can see that it's uh, he, i think he like definitely belongs in that kind of tier 1 group with those three guys now because it's you know to beat medvedev twice in a row is just 
is just really great. Yeah, I put up this tweet about him like trusting the mm-hmm. process because I think you know it's not been like like Alcaraz where he just shot up and yeah, that's know, for sure. Doing explosive, and not just uh, for the fact that he is two years older, uh, yeah. and and he is in that process. Yes, and uh, I think the, the the serve is huge because he's he's a taller player, and he's not gonna have you know the the generational speed of of Alcaraz. He's still very very ba- well balanced, very. He has tremendous power off of both wings, but he will need those those extra tools that you know you know that he that he has to complement his. Like now, I feel like the physical gifts and the the natural athletic developments are like catching up with his ball striking, which for me is 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 so exciting to watch because just the the sound that comes off of his racket, you know, it's like it's like almost like a carrot snapping in half. It's so great to hear and watch, and visually, it, it's so technically perfect. Is set up for for the ground strokes, so that uh, you know. And then I think the the volleys and the net game is a continuing development as well. Like, I like the fact that even though he's not necessarily the most comfortable, he's a bit awkward up there sometimes, and it's maybe you know you can see that it's a work in progress. I like that he keeps do, do going at it over and over again, and he knows that you know this is what he has to do to get to the next level, and you can see it that it's, uh, um, yeah, it's. It, those improvements are really are, are really helping him, and even though he misses them, he still keeps going after it. So, I like that. Yeah, definitely. There there has been a moment this year, um, especially after that Cincinnati amazing final. Um, yeah. Given also the Wimbledon final, we we have to witnessed. Um, he it kind of was the feeling that. Um, there were, you know, two very top players, exciting players to watch, an exciting matchup too, because of those two finals were amazing. One won by Alcaraz in the fifth set in basically Djokovic, uh, you know, in Djokovic's land because he was the four-time defending yeah. champion. Uh, and then um, Novak bouncing back and winning this, despite struggling early physically in the match. Uh, he was close to lost in straight sets and then coming back four hours. It kind of seemed that, that uh, you know, those two players and then the tour was not probably that much exciting. Um, yeah. But I have to say that, you know, these two players, uh, now number three and number four, also in the ranking, playing four finals against each other. The, the pair who, who played most finals since... Uh, 2016 in a single season. Um, That's a good start. You know, they are, it seems like they are two characters that um, that are really needed uh, for yeah. our tennis landscape because the rivalry seems getting exciting because Sinner now is starting winning matches. So now there's a bit of um, curiosity to understand what Medvedev will do to try to bounce back, starting winning again. Uh, also, very tight contest because uh, even these two finals, one was a straight set, but two tie breaks. And this one was, you know, over three hours fight, uh, especially in some weeks like this one, in which, you know, Djokovic is not uh, playing anymore. Uh, a lot of tournaments uh, beside the slams, some masters here and there, but not that that much. Alcaraz at time can, you know, can decide to, to skip something because he, he's human and he can need some time. Uh, yeah. And these two players seem really, you know, caring well. 
um, the tour be- beside those two, um, you know, our Grand Slam champions, because Djokovic and Alcaraz are uh, the two players who won all the four Grand Slams this year. But uh, it seems that things are get- getting interesting, uh, even beside those two players. Yeah, I definitely agree because like that was the, that was what it was uh, coming out of Wimbledon and Cincinnati. You felt like they were on another plane. You know, it was going to take a long time for, or it was going to take some really brilliant tennis and kind of a level increase for the rest of the tour to to catch up to those those two. But uh, you know, weeks like this really show you that it's uh, you know they're they're closer than than they are far further. So I think that. Uh, that is a really good storyline just heading into the into the next year because you want more players in that mix to to challenge them and then you want to see them you want to see this quartet i guess more consistently at all the big events i mean djokovic obviously you know aside because he's like 37 going to be 37 next year but even he, you know obviously he's still at the very top of the game but i i guess speaking about medvedev um you know mm-hmm. that's no he's lost three finals uh you know yeah. In a row, he's still playing, uh, you know, a pretty decent level. He's still, you know, not not always coming, not always super clean in every single match that he plays. So, you know, still, you know, the double faults can sometimes creep up. Yeah. He's still, you know, k- kind of probably also feeling the effect of a really long season. I think for the first time, I I saw yeah. that you know this was his what 79th match of the year. He's won more matches than he has any other season, and I think he would say that this season is the best season of his career had he won a major. So I yeah. think uh, I, I think. I think that's good. I mean, he still has made nine finals. He's won five titles, and uh, you know, he's he's had a very good year. But in terms of, I guess, changing things because he did play kind of a very similar way in this match to the Rotterdam match. I think it was the same kind of approach to grind grind phys- Sinner down physically. But Sinner showed that he's improved a lot in the last six seven months. So that was the that was the difference that he was able to counter at this time. But what do you make of kind of Daniel, and what do you expect from him? Sort of Paris and Enter in or yeah, is it- uh, probably we are also you know talking a little bit about uh, a different year from him uh, because uh, we we were kind of used to to watch him not winning that much in the first part of the season and then coming stronger than ever after Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, I remember, for example, the 2021 season and the end of the that 2020 with the the Paris and London back to back. Um, yeah. And then the 2019 uh, six finals in a row. 2019 well. also exactly winning Cincinnati, the U.S. Open final, uh, the final in Canada, Shanghai. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, so probably we are also you know watching a player who has had great result, played a lot, and probably right now is is not that fresh. Um, but I would say that uh, for me even if nothing more happens uh, for him this uh, can be considered a really great season also because of what it uh, you know it means because we were uh, we have watched um, a pretty bad 2022 season and after that uh, disappointment in Australia he he fell off the top 10, was number 12 yeah. in the world for one week. Wow, actually, both these players were out of the top 10. Uh, you yeah. Know, <laughs> after Australia, that's that's pretty wild, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yes, uh, I, I was saying, uh, and then he, he bounced back very, very well, winning those tournaments back-to-back in Rotterdam, Doha, by the Indian Wells final, uh, winning in Miami. He, he, he had not won a Masters title since 2021, so he, he had to wait a bit to, uh, to get that important title finally. Uh, winning the master on clay, it's also you know great stuff, especially because Rome um, has has kind of seemed the most difficult one to get because of those the, that you know Djokovic Nadal dominance uh, throughout the years, even yeah. if uh, there were a bit of favorable conditions. Also, because Nadal was not there, Djokovic was still not one hundred percent of his form. But still, he did a great job in a tournament in which he he was winless till that moment. Yes. Um, getting to the Wimbledon semi-final is also a great, considering his previous result in the tournament. Um, I would say also the moment of getting that win against Alcaraz was important. Um, I would say that overall, uh, you know, the season is. Uh, is very very good high level um but yeah probably you know having uh, put that much of an effort in the first part uh, can you know make him just a little bit uh, less brilliant in some circumstances right now probably in some you know deciding set of a final like today or um, uh, a match, you know, that can go uh, probably a little bit uh, worse than expected. Uh, but overall, I would say that uh, after that 2022, this season feels very, very important for Medvedev's process. Uh, and so I would think that even if, you know, these three finals losses can uh, feels a little bit of a disappointment, but still... Uh, I would say that he he's doing pretty well, and I'm not writing him off from from doing something uh, something good. Probably I would say more in Turin that Paris. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of have this feeling that probably uh, in Paris both of um, today's finalists, Medvedev and Sinner, cannot be that um, that ready. But I think that. Uh, both of them can even Medvedev can really be a, a, a threat this this year for for both Djokovic and and Alcaraz for what has been the the tennis land landscapes in in the last six eight ten weeks. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I'm really excited about Turin, especially if these four are healthy and ready to go. I think we could see some really, really good battles in the group stages, but also in the in the in the knockoffs. But I guess let's let's also touch upon the semi-finalists. Let's touch on both uh, mm. Rublev and Sitsipas. Let's start with Rublev, actually. So, you know, he backs up another. He has another good week. He backs up his his really good Shanghai run. Overall, you know, we have to say this is the best season of his career. Yeah. Uh, you know, deservedly number five player in the world, and uh, you know he beat. He beat uh, Zverev in the quarters, which I was, which I thought was 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 pretty impressive, considering Zverev came back, won the second set in a tie break. Yeah, exactly. And in general, before this year, you know, Zverev led the head-to-head 5-0, and he had never even lost a set to Andre in their previous five uh, matches before this year. But now suddenly, you know, Andre's won three in a row, 
And, you know, I thought that his backhand held up really, really well in most of the matches that he's played. Uh, at least a lot of the big matches that he's played this year, the backhand has, has held, held up. And also the mental game is a little bit stronger. The belief is definitely there more than than in previous years. And I think it's a very good result to make Turin, given the the field. And also just, I think at, at times last year, I, I felt like Rublev might uh, not make Turin. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I just felt like uh, just that uh, because Sinner is so strong, Runa is so strong. Uh, you know, I th- I thought that Rude would still be there. I you know I knew that Medvedev would get back in the mix and Tsitsipas as well. I just I just thought that okay maybe he's kind of hit his ceiling a little bit. And I'm really glad to be proven wrong because um, you know Andre is one of the most likable guys on tour. Everyone just you know loves him. Super popular. But so I think you know it's it's great when he does well for the game. But, no, uh, that's that's yeah. for sure. I I agree with you. I think that he he's proving this year to be, I would say, a clear number five because yeah. he he he's also uh, right now a number in the top five. We have the the only five players to to win big events this year, uh, yes. and Urkacz yes. also with Shanghai. But uh, you know, after those those five, there's also Rublev who uh, who won one Masters and was. You know, two points away, or uh, two points away, or probably had a match point. Don't remember really well. Uh, I guess yeah, just to ma- yeah, he had match point, uh, he had so he was point. one point away from from winning a second Masters title in the same season on different surfaces. Um, I'm always amazed by his great adaptability because he seems liking pretty much all the conditions. Uh, yeah. He doesn't really seem affecting his game. Uh, indoor, outdoor, fast, slow, clay, grass. Uh, because this yeah. year in Wimbledon he did really well, and also that quarter final against Djokovic was really, really good for for most of it. I agree. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would say that we we have got very, very good show week in week out by by Rublev. Probably only you know a little bit disappointment was that back to back round two losses between Canada and Cincinnati, but after that. He he reached. He still was in the U.S. Open quarterfinal, so um, still was just a little bit moment. Um, yeah, I I agree. His his adaptability, especially, is the way uh, is um, why I I really never write him off from this group of top ten players. But you know, having him as number five probably is even. A little bit higher of my expectation at the beginning of the year. I remember, yeah. for example, when we watched that round four between Rune and Rublev in the Australian Open, um, it kind of seemed like Rune was going into that one as as a slight favorite, uh, yeah. and then Rublev won that tight contest. And you know, right now they are in very different in a very different moment overall, regardless of what happened this week. I mean. Yeah. Um, and Rublev, yeah, what to say? No negative things for me to to say. And also the mental part of the game, I feel he uh, has improved. He still has those moments, but uh, I feel like these moments affect him less than it was last year, um, two years ago. And even the quarterfinal losses in the slams are different. Uh, the Wimbledon one was really good. Um, the U.S. Open contest was, in my opinion, a bit closer 
uh, their their water yes, score may for sure and may for very brutal conditions and, and you know especially it's... watching what Medvedev did in the semis then uh, you know it, it's more than acceptable so yeah, yeah I, I still think that this is basically the only thing of his career that it's still a little bit frustrating that love nine in, in the slam quarter yeah, final yeah, yeah. but if he keeps doing like that i'm still confident that once he's going to to once get through that get there yeah yeah <laughs> uh, no I, I agree that's a very frustrating <laughs> set and you always have to list out the opponents every time you say that that kind of like sits in 500 finals where it's like I mean, just came up against Djokovic twice, Nadal once, you know, Medvedev like three times. It's like, you know, and then you had Chilich like just peeking against him in a fifth set tiebreak, like just playing out of his mind. And then, and then, you know, Tiafo also in tiebreaks. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. But I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by how he's able to hold up uh, also so late in the season. And, uh, yeah. you know, having already qualified, the motivation is still so high for him almost every set, every point. And, you know, he got, you know, even in the match against Sinner, he was up 5-2 and, you know, just a couple of loose points there, you know, at 5-3, he got very, very frustrated and we saw kind of that vulnerability a little bit again. Um, but I, I think after that, he kind of calmed down a little bit. And then in the second set, he actually put up a very good, decent fight because, he, you know, Sinner also served for the match and then a little bit of nerves there and Rublev was able to... Yes, yes come back and push it to a tie break so i think i think he did himself proud uh, overall this 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 week and in this year in in, in general and uh, especially yeah, and in the, in, in the big events uh, i would say about tc pass uh, i would say um overall an improvement these two weeks for for what we have seen you know uh, earlier yeah. in the season mm, solid back to back result uh, losing, uh, you know, in uh, against, you know, Fields, who can play a very, very great level of tennis, and Medvedev, no, no explanation needed. So it's he, you had that feeling that he's trying to to build his form back. Uh, he has now, I would say, ninety five percent. He's in Turin. Um, so I guess that uh, at least let's say the um, I would say for him the basic goal for the season he's reached and this uh, you know being there in Turin just uh, can't really say that um, you you had a very very bad year of course that Australian Open final had mm. uh, was very very heavy in that yeah probably lacks a a big win this year because no yeah. um, no top 15 beaten, yeah exactly there there was that sinner match in the australian open sinner was number 17 in that moment yeah. probably looking back you know this can be considered the, a good win for him but yes. overall uh, you know um yeah that's probably the thing that is lacked and probably even a little bit of a disappointing clay season which usually for him is, uh, you know, is very positive. Yeah, he got to to the quarters in in Paris and the French Open, but overall the clay season probably was was a bit disappointing. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, his his clay season. I think, uh, yeah, he had the quarterfinal loss to Fritz and Monte Carlo, and then it wasn't even Barcelona. that close, honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think actually what really hurt him in that 
early part of the clay season, I think, was the February and March when he hurt his yeah, shoulder sure. and then he was, you know, because I thought his his backhand looked so much better in January than it ever did, like, uh, you know, all of last year and also even, uh, you know, un until until this week. So, like, you know, he was, he was on a good track, Australian Open final, and then he gets that injury, you know, plays through Indian Wells in Miami, but he's clearly not healthy. And then I think, you know, low preparation heading into Monte Carlo and then, you know, nice bounce back Barcelona final, but yeah, got absolutely destroyed by Alcaraz there. And then, yeah, Madrid ran into Struff. That's just another one of those, yeah, conditions, you know, stylistic, yeah. you know, nightmare type match. And then, and then Rome, I think, was it semis? Yeah, Man semis. He, yeah, yeah, Medvedev. And then, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the disappointing part was the, after Cabo, the, the the stretch after that, like the Canada Cincinnati, yeah, that's for sure because winning Los Cabos, up, yeah, mm. Asian swing, like you know, you you could see, see that he just wasn't really there mentally. I, you know, I felt like, you know, the the weaknesses aside in in his game, I just didn't feel like that fire, that determination, yeah, that uh, you know, that we're used to seeing him with. You know, when he first came on the tour, he was like 2018, 2019. He had this swagger. He would walk on with this belief that he could beat the top guys and. You know, you you almost didn't even notice the backhand weaknesses because he just played was playing with so much freedom at that time, and and I think you know with all the baggage and all the tough losses in the finals, semis, and I think combined that with some of the shoulder elbow problems, and then also the instability in his camp, right? The the coaching with the apostles mm -hmm. being back, and then Filipus was brought in, but then you know no, actually you know now we're gonna stick with dad, and I guess the main thing is if we're gonna stick with dad, you just be consistent with it now and just yeah yes you know don't. I Don't, totally agree with you on this. You know, yeah, mess with it uh, any longer because, you know, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, like you, you have to just be, you know, you you can't have like a those doubts because, in 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 the big moments, like you need that because you can control that. So I think, uh, mm -hmm. I think that's. But I, I but I'm, I am I think I was still impressed by this week because it was a good loss against Medvedev. I, I felt like they yeah, were very that's even. Right. That's it right. A, it was a good quality match. One of the one of the best uh, matches they've actually played in their rivalry, I would say, because, you know, the the rivalry is known for the messiness and the drama and the, uh, you know, <laughs> the the clash of yeah, personality, right, I would say. But uh, but I think that the the tennis quality was very, very very high in this one and a couple of loose points, uh, one loose game in the in the first set really. That's what made the difference. And then, last two points of the, of the tiebreak could have could have gone either way. But that was. Uh, that was a very good level, and I, I think he's he's actually on a on a good track. And I think uh, this yeah. week was important for him to just to get to the semis because he was also down yeah no no for one That's in the third problem. against Mahach, and I, I thought he he might actually I, I didn't think he was going to come back right that an important match, so. important comeback after being yeah, yeah, yeah. a breakdown yeah that's for sure an important win, uh, but I will take just a, a short flight and I will land in Basel, uh, yes because. Um, you know, a very, very important week there, both for the race to Turin and also because we have a, a very important moment to a guy who was incredibly struggling uh, yes. for both injuries and even other aspects of his game also. Um, uh, but then we have seen something in, in Tokyo, something positive in Tokyo, and then yeah. the title run uh, I would say surprising title run, even if he was the yeah. deciding champion, and it's the guy in the pick, uh, Felix Sajeraliasim, beating Urkac today in the final, two tie breaks, not very surprising scoreline considering the two players involved. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, telling me your impressions about 
about Felix. If you you had the the feeling that he could have defended this title earlier in the week, um, I think very very important moment both from how some wins came and also for the fact that of course he 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 had this title which gives a little bit of another you know perspective of of the year because overall not uh, a good season but this week can yeah. change at least a little bit the feeling yeah i think i, I think so it's i think it's, it can only be a positive thing he's in back inside the top 30 in the race which uh, you know is 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 pretty good because he you know basically didn't win any back to back matches until tokyo from indian wells onwards and i did actually feel like the injury was kind of overlooked by some people. Like I, I think it played a pretty big factor in terms of just his loss of form and confidence in general. Because I, I remember watching the match against Surundalo, was it in Miami, mm. and thinking like something is just off. Like there's, there's, there's no way he's, you know, like I, 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 I was kind of searching for an explanation at that point uh, because the match against Surundalo, being honest, was just horrendous from Felix. And yeah. then I learned that he was, uh, he, he. Had, injured his knee and then i was like okay i'm actually in a way i was kind of happy which is, sounds like a, a bad thing to say but I, I mean it like in a good way because it it like explained yeah, yeah. the performance from a, so from like, a okay. tennis point of view from a tennis point of view yeah and then when i saw that he skipped monte carlo he skipped barcelona he was uh, you know not playing in the early part of the clay season i was like okay that 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 kind of explained it because i think last year he played 87 matches on the atp tour and he's you know, and he had mm. had that amazing run at the end of the year. I think it was just natural that he was going to be, you know, he probably probably overplayed quite a bit, looking back. Uh, but he just didn't know. You know, he just went on a good run of form and he just kept it going, kept it yeah, going. Yeah, that's. And, you know, and so I'm not saying that he should have played less, but it's just that you know, then it uh, it it caught up to him, I think, a little bit. And then so then he was really kind of hurt throughout the clay season and grass, uh, even grass. Like you could see, he wasn't really like fully back. And then, and then he was just losing a lot of these tight matches because he doesn't have like so much margin in his game when he plays outdoors. So it's it's very you know serve forehand and you know plus one type tennis. And you know when it's uh, like maybe windy when there's outdoor factors, uh, you know the serve like the second serve, the backhand, like some of those things. You know stylistically, he can be in trouble against a lot of guys, and especially when his, so his confidence needs to be really high because I think he's a momentum type player. So. Mm. When he didn't have any momentum and he kept losing, it was kind of a snowball effect. But I thought that okay, once we get to the indoors, he's gonna bounce back. I did not think he was gonna win the title, but I didn't rule out like maybe before the week I was looking at the draw and I was like, okay, he can get to the semis. I think semis is doable, but title is very, very impressive because that's a whole nother shift. Uh and then also I think John just showed, yeah, he was match point down against uh Shevchenko, and then yeah. you know, the yeah, the the performance against Runa was very good, even if you know, Runa wasn't playing his best, but I still, uh, yeah, overall really happy for him. Very, very positive week. And it's not very often that you see a title defense these days uh, These days on tour. I mean, the only players to do it this year were Alcaraz and Runa. Runa in Munich and then Alcaraz in Barcelona, Madrid. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a good list. Um, well, no, I was... Uh, I was just, um, you know, wanted you to... To focus a little bit also on this on this race to Turin, which is getting, uh, you know, yeah. for sure would have been more interesting uh, if Urkacz would have won today because would have been number nine, but only fifteen points uh, less yeah. than um, uh, be behind Rune. 
Yeah. Um, I'm talking about these two these two players, of course, who had great final stretch of the season because coming also from the the great title in in Shanghai, most people probably wouldn't have believed a few weeks ago to watching him suddenly in the contention. And basically, you know, the, I I have the feeling that, you know, I, I may be wrong because probably, you know, Fritz Ruud, I don't know, will do something crazy this week. But it seems yeah. like he's the only one who could really, you know, uh, because of, of form, he's still... Um, you know, there's also Taylor Fritz, that's for sure, because he's there. Uh, what's this final loss mean? Was not probably also 100%. Uh, it kind of looked like it at some point. Yeah, he was uh, definitely struggling physically today for uh, Kutch. What does, what does this mean, also considering Rune's form, that, yeah, he won some matches, playing good at times, because, for example, I think that the match... Uh, between him and Lecheveri was a really good one to watch. A, a great yeah, first set from Rune. Then, you know, uh, probably his level went a little bit down in the second, but Telcheveri also played played a really good uh, good match, backing up after the good win against the good wins against, you know, Korda and, and Mares. He was, he was also high on the confidence. Uh, yeah. So good signs also because he won in a tight contest. Uh, proving that you know mentally was there, was ready to fight to, uh, and then we've seen also you know the the bad loss against Felix for various reasons. Uh, so, what the thoughts about these two players and how is the race you know looking like? Also considering, of course, Fritz and, and you know probably Rude, yeah. but he would need uh, a very very strong result. Yeah, I think at the start of the week I had like. You know, maybe five players in the in the mix behind Runa. You know, it was Herkac, Fritz, Rude, uh, Paul, and Diminor. And uh, you know, once Paul and Diminor and Fritz losing a very frustratingly tight match uh, for the third tournament in a row. Once that happened, then um, and and I think I just liked the section that Herkac was in. I felt as though Herkac would would get it. I thought he would win the title, and I thought he would, uh, you know. Possibly get to the eighth spot, but I think that those matches that Runa won against uh, both Kechmanovic and against uh, Echeverry, I think that just uh, that puts him in a very good position now because with Herkut struggling physically uh, and being 215 points behind and having to play Sebastian Corda in the first round of Paris, mm. uh, and just like Runa's level, you know, got better this week, I, I think he might get it now, uh, barring you know a really surprising run from. Uh, somebody who's, you know, somebody like a Shelton or a Hachanov or a Dimon or a Paul in Paris. I mean, all those four, I think they basically have to win the title, which is pretty un unlikely. Like we've seen it once with Jack Sock in 2017, but I think it's going to be between Runa and Runa and Harkach and maybe Fritz, but I just, uh, I, I just don't, I'm not really trusting Fritz or Rude or Paul and Dimon or uh, you know, right now. Yeah. Just, also, about, about Fritz, yeah, I still have in the in the eyes the the, the last year's match against Simon. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Paris, oh. Paris really brings you know a, a yes, bitter throwback yes. for for you know for for Taylor. But I I don't think that it, it's going to you know. <laughs> but still, uh, I, I and I that could happen stop, again. But... Uh, another Frenchman in the you know in like feast in his section. Yeah, I it can be a very that. good one to watch. 
it can be a very good one to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So about about Rune, yeah, I had this kind of of good feeling uh, at some point yeah. of the week uh, because um, all important uh, all important wins, even that first set against Bites was not that um, was a very tight set. Bites really playing well on the serve, uh, yeah. pushing him, and then you know the second set was was easier, but still he. Um, yeah, at some point you may see, you may think that um, you know it's not even that good to have to you know fight that much to get there. But um, considering the form he he was, the bad form he was, it, it's a very big improvement, and that has to be said. Uh, especially yeah. after he was uh, set in the breakdown against Ketsmanovic. I was not really trusting a comeback in that match, and that was really, really nice to watch for 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 him. Um, and, and what about the match against Felix? Has it changed uh, a bit the perspective about him for both the, all his things about tennis, the you know the physical part of the game, uh, or still you? I mean, of course, it's a positive week considering you know the the previous weeks, but. Um, has that match changed a little bit your your vision on the matter? Um, long term, probably not that much because I still value the three wins a little bit more. I think it just goes to show that he's still very raw uh, as a player, and I think there's just uh, he's kind of searching for like what his identity is as a player right now. So, uh, you know, because he can kind of have he has every shot in the book, and he he can serve and volley, he can point shorten. He can, uh, you know, drop shot. He can do basically all the things we've seen Alcaraz do. The only thing is he just doesn't have that that clarity and the the physical issues keep popping up. So like after he played the physical match against Echeverry, I don't think he held up very well the next day. So that maybe is my only concern for Runa is just like physically because I think if he gets better physically in these moments, I think the decision-making will improve and the shot selection will get better. And those two things, I think, go hand in hand. And so I think we just saw a lot of that kind of tired, uh, you know, kind of same, going through the motions against uh, uh, against Felix quite a lot, and not not being very clinical in the best in, in in the big moments. And Felix like really made him pay because Felix was coming in and just like he sensed his chance. And I think uh, I, I think it just wasn't to be for him. Uh, you know, once he lost that first set and went down a break, and you know he he he, he still tried, but it was. Uh, I don't think long term it changes my perspective that much, but I I think uh, winning majors next year will be will be tough. Like I I, I could see him maybe getting there in twenty twenty five as opposed to yeah. Next I wanted year to I wanted just them. to ask you uh, when when Sinner uh, changed his team, you know, yeah. having uh, also a, a great and expert coach like Darren Kail. Um, we have also, you know, talked about the things he he could have worked on with in the new coach-player relationship about his game for taking, you know, that quality jump to be there uh, among the best. Right now, he is four, four, five players yeah. in the world, uh, being able to, you know, to sustain the level week in, week out, which he's doing right now. Um, about Rune, um, he he has changed this. Um, something also in his team because the, uh, now we have Boris Becker. Um, 
aside from the physical side of the game, because I think that it's pretty obvious right now that there's still something that has to be done. Um, what do you think he can, uh, you know, improve also tactically to to try to, you know, um, take that step to to try to, you know, um, to shorten the gap uh, with the very, very, very top players? Yeah, I mean, strength and physical, con I mean, physical conditioning and endurance will probably be a big focus for them. Uh, because he also has a very good like fitness trainer, I think, and also like his uh, he's working like I think Boris Becker will also work with K Lars Christensen, who's been his coach for a really long time. And then yes, 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 I think the the mother is there to really kind of keep everything on track, still. Uh, so I think I think the setup is is interesting and and good. And assuming he's recovered from his from the back issues that he was having like before Beijing, um, I think I think he just needs to keep uh keep at it because i think i think uh, you know the first half of the season was pretty positive like I, I looked at it pretty pretty positively because i didn't think he was going to come out and just continue everything that he did in 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 paris oh, because you know I, I still thought okay it was he's still very young you know it's end of the year he's 19 and you know that was indoors and so you know and i i think his uh his it's just honestly it's just the decision making because i feel like his all the mm. All the shots in the game are are definitely there. Like last year during this time, he was hitting some second serves, 110 miles per hour, and not missing. It was just ridiculous. Like the Paris Paris title when he beat the five top ten players in a row, and he was just playing very. He was kind of, and now I think he's now when I see him play, it's almost like he has so many options and he doesn't know which one to choose uh, at the right moment. Whereas last year he just played a much more simplified game, and it was very much okay. Like just you know set, set up the big shot, hit really deep. Get the opponent out of position and put it away. Whereas I think now when he's you know when we see him kind of uh, and then I think the other big thing is is the attitude and not getting as negative um, because I think like you know sometimes it can be a good thing for him like to be very ambitious and be very like you know uh, you know state his goals be super like you know believe that he can beat like the very best but then there's other times where uh, sometimes he'll just kind of throw away a set or go away for a few games. I, I think it's mm. focus. It's like focus combined with shot selection, combined with uh, trusting his endurance a bit more. And then we'll see him kind of all put, put it together because it's still it, it's it's still very raw. Like and, and then I think sometimes it's a bit unsustainable, these long like like keep playing these long matches over and over, yeah. like the three setters. But I think this week it was just about searching for form and just getting that yeah, no, get, that's, getting that's getting those wins on, on the board. So I think this week was a was a good one. Uh, overall and then it then it's just about like how do i find a way to play tennis that is sustainable to win seven matches best of five sets because right now i think he's still you know kind of far away from that like for instance when he won that epic match against uh Sarundalo at roland garros and then he just had nothing left against rude and kind of basically like was a no-show for the first two sets and then also same thing at wimbledon we were expecting a, a little bit more against alcaraz uh, in the in the quarters, so I think yeah, I think the more he just keeps putting himself in those positions, like it's, I I kind of trust that he'll, he will uh, you know win a major at some point, just because I think the, the game is very complete, but he just hasn't packaged it together, you know. Yeah, no, no, that's that's for sure, in fact. But he he is super super young, and uh, yeah. we also we also 
you know, need to to let the players grow and and, and trust their own yeah. process. For example, so. Sinner is is a great example of that. So sometimes yeah. we we want to rush too much. Uh, yeah, same thing. Just like with with golf, you know, we kept on thinking. Oh, yes, you know, exactly. You know, That's stagnation. for sure. Golf is still a teenager. It, it doesn't feel like that, just, honestly. Yeah, we just uh, yeah, we just forget sometimes how young they actually are. That's a good point. Yeah, for for me, for example, especially for the fact I was uh, doing a comparison once between Coco and and Alcaraz, and, and I was pretty amazed by the fact that Coco is younger because it, yeah. Even if, Alcaraz has two majors, had a lot of success, being world number one. But still, in my mind, he's he came a bit later, uh, and so he was, mm, you know, and that says a lot about you know how uh, how much people sometimes want from you know big young um, you know promises of the game like Coco is and like Holger um, and yeah. other guys. And for example. Uh, I I always take um, Medvedev as a great example of the fact that it's it's not for everyone just reaching a peak at 2021, but you can you can work your way and you know break out even even a bit later and still stay at the top for for, for a very long time. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, just a close. Um, I think someone is asking about Hubie in the comments about what he has to do in Paris to make the finals. So I think in relation to Runa, I think it's 215 points separates them, right? So if Yeah, exactly. So it's so, not that easy as it may seem yeah. because basically in a Masters, for example... Uh, yeah, so if he gets that... to the... Four, if he, if Hercotch wins a couple of rounds... And, uh, yeah, he needs and... he needs to be if he wants to overtake Rune in Paris, he needs yeah. to be quarters. Yeah. Uh, but if, for example, Rune reaches the quarterfinals, and then he needs, of course, to do to do even better. Uh, yeah. But even with even with the third round, if uh, it's ninety points, uh, yeah. So yeah, basically, I mean, basically, Rune all... would have to get to the. Runa, Runa would only need to win a couple of rounds and Hercotch would have to get to the semis, basically. Yeah, exactly. To, to, to get it. Yeah, because semis is 360. So that's, yeah. uh, you know, exactly. he has to semis hope that Runa doesn't get past the quarters and then he can... And still, for example, them. if Runa makes it to the quarterfinal and Hercotch to the semis, still Runa yeah. would, would still be Runa will, ahead. Will be ahead. Yes. Because there's uh, less than 200 points of difference. Yeah. Uh, but, but, so, uh, yeah. And then, and then I think he someone would said that I really want. Jane is talking about Hubie in in Turin. I think I think those courts are really good for him, if he does actually end up making it because his record against you know, Medvedev, for example, and yeah, Hercotch and yeah, the tight matches he's played against Djokovic and Alcaraz recently, and you know I think even yeah, against he Sinner had, he matches you know, up well. He has uh, a good. He had not a very good experience the in twenty twenty one, but yeah, yeah, uh, but still I think that it should suit him very very well. One thing is that, um, you know, in, in Turin, basically, you have to play really, really well the deciding points because uh, conditions are very fast. A lot of players can serve really well. Um, yeah. I remember, for example, the, the match between Fritz and Ruud last year, and both players served exceptionally well. Um, Ruud was close to the 2020 20 ace tally. 
Uh, it's very very fast court. Oh, it's uh, the fastest court on tour, I think. I don't the think there's anything court. faster. Yeah, talking about the ATP tour, he at least for what we have seen in twenty uh, one and twenty twenty two, he's uh, clearly the fastest. Um, yeah. And so basically, for example, uh, like Medvedev last year, three matches at six all in the third and three losses because. Yeah. A lot of times in Turin, you have to, you know, to do really, really well in, um, you know, in close situations. Yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of tie breaks. Even if you're a really good returner, it's you're gonna get, yeah, you. Yeah, a lot of times it's maybe. it's like that. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, so. Um, Should we talk uh, about the Paris uh, preview, Paris, a little bit before we close? Um, yeah, we have just a few a few minutes left, but we we can do that. Uh, what uh, what's your thoughts about the the draws, and do you really see um, any other than the top three four seeds winning the tournament? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, for for Alcaraz, when I saw the draw, uh, I was I felt like it is a Good draw for him, like just looking at the projected players that he's playing, uh, because uh, you know second seed, you know, possibly maybe Safiulin could be could be tough, who's a qualifier in the in the first round, or Muller, but then Hachinov is, is in his section, and then uh, you know b- basically Alcaraz is in the same half as Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and Zverev, so he could play Medvedev in the semis, and then one of Tsitsipas, Zverev in the quarters. But I think uh, I think it's just a brutal draw for those guys, for Sitsipas and Zverev, who are just mm. you know basically right. just uh, yeah just trying to clinch their spots for qualifying for uh, qualifying for Turin, uh, especially because they could play each other already in the in the third round. Sitsipas and Zverev, and they're basically six and seven in the race, and uh, Sitsipas has to get through Felix or Struff first, and then Zverev, and then Alcara. Like I think he has the most difficult draw, I would say, out of the eight seeds. Uh, but and then and then the first half is interesting because you have Djokovic with uh, possibly playing Shelton and then Runa and then Sinner. So, so kind of yeah, uh, yeah, that's it's right. it's balanced in that way, I would say. But it's it you have some interesting first round matches like Team Vavrinka, you know, is 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 one that I have circled. Diminor Murray again, you know, for the. <laughs> For the sixth time in their career, and yeah, na- the nightmare, the nightmare for for Mari fans. Even if the last the meeting was yes. actually very, very close. So. I know. Uh, yeah, yes, Mari yes. too. Uh, there was the Simon nightmare <laughs> last year, even for Mari fans. Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> Not just for Pitts. <laughs> yeah, the last two years yeah, have been so, nightmares. For yeah, ju- just yes Murray or no. Uh, it's either Djokovic or Alcaraz or anyone else. Uh, could be. I I'll say one of those two. I'll I'll go with one of those two. Wow, but those two. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, probably two, uh, and especially for you know how well Djokovic usually plays in in the Paris yeah. Masters. Yeah. Like he these has are a very good record that really, really, really suit his tennis really, really well. Mm, so yeah. I and, I I'm and I think he's going to be well. as well because the number one race. As yeah, well. he's five hundred exactly. ahead, and I think that's another. Yeah, story because, yeah. difference. Uh, no. And there are still two thousand and five hundred potential points on the line yeah. for you know both Djokovic and 
and Alcaraz. So, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, yeah, uh, I think that, uh, think that we, we have said basically all what we needed to. Um, yeah. I wanted to, uh, to thank a lot uh, all the people who have listened to, to us. Uh, I would love to, to thank you, Vansh, because it's always nice to talk to you. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome and you know really good to see the the comments and also to do this do this show together and uh, yeah I think we pretty much hit on everything we need needed to and uh, pretty excited about Paris and yeah Turin after that yeah so just uh, remembering everyone to subscribe uh, WTA Weekly as in the comments uh, is just in. Uh, 15 minutes so you can basically stay here <laughs> to, to watch it too because it's going to be very very interesting um, yeah. and bye Vansh bye everyone yeah take care yeah thanks a lot Mario and thanks uh, everyone else if you enjoyed this video make sure you hit that like button don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis Sports Social Podcast Network.